We are still in our sermon series in the book of Acts. This is the Acts of Jesus Christ through his apostles. This will be part number 11 of our studies. And Lord willing, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11 of chapter 5 tonight. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Very familiar. You've probably heard this taught on and preached on before about Ananias and Sapphira. And we're going to look at them tonight and see what uh, what the Lord's trying to tell us in this these passages of Scripture. And I'm going to read these verses, and then we'll just get right into the study. And you can just remain seated. I'm going to read all 11 of them together, and then we'll pray and get into the, to the message. Acts chapter 5, start with verse 1. The Bible says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Father, thank you for the reading of your word tonight. Help me now as I try to expound on this text, God, that you'll be lifted up. May your word do a work in our hearts and may you receive the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we left off in our last study there looking at the results of how a church operates. The, that was the first century church, the, the early church, and we saw the operation and how they all worked together in one heart, one soul, and in one accord, and all the wonderful things as they joined together and they prayed to the Lord, and the Lord shook the place where they were praying, and, and he gave power to the apostles to be able to preach with, with great power. And we were introduced to the, the generous outpouring of love for their fellow man and how they were just taking their possessions and giving it to each other. For uh, uh, their, They would sell their lands and give the price there to the apostles so they could distribute it. And uh, they were just giving to everybody. But we were introduced to that man Barnabas for the very first time in the Scripture. And from everything we can read about him, he is a wealthy Levite from Cyprus. And he had sold a portion of his land, and he had given the, the entire full amount of the money he got from the purchase of that land to the church. And no doubt this caused a great stir. It must have been a large sum of money. Uh, it got attention. People were probably, you know, thinking, wow, you know, uh, it, that's pretty generous. And maybe, maybe people were talking about him and lifting him up and, and thinking about how wonderful it was, the, the thing that he did. And I believe that's kind of what might have happened and the reason Ananias and Sapphira concocted their little plan, they wanted, I believe, that attention that Barnabas got. 
I believe they wanted to be known as, as something else, something that they were not. I believe they were pretenders. Uh, I believe they were saved. They were part of the church. And the Bible doesn't ever say they were not saved, but I believe they were in sin. Look at there, verse 1 and 2. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Well, now, uh, this husband and wife team of Ananias and Sapphira, they are seeming to be copying the same thing Barnabas did. So they own some land. They sell that land. We don't know how much they got for it. It uh, could have been a, a good sum of money. Uh, but they didn't give all the money to the church. Now, like I said last time, we are not told anywhere in the Scripture that the church was commanded to give like this or to sell their things and give, a, give it away. That is not in here. What they were doing, were, they were following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason they were giving. And so they sold this land and uh, that they owned, according to verse 5, only they didn't give the full amount of the money they earned from selling it. They said that they brought a certain part. Uh, one thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that he will never lead you to do something that is con contrary to his will. I had a woman one time tell me that the Lord, um, the Lord led her to divorce her husband and marry another man that, that she really loved instead of her husband. That is contrary to the, the will of God. Uh, he is not going to lead you to do something that is contrary to what he has already said is the truth. And any time you do something outside of the will of the Holy Spirit, it's not being motivated by God. It's being motivated by your own flesh. So our flesh will cause us to do things, and then it will cause us to want to contribute those things to maybe God. You know, well, God's the one doing this when it's actually us. Ananias and Sapphira, they're acting out on their own will. They're not acting under the will or the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if the Holy Spirit motivated them to give, they were, they were disobedient to him uh, because they didn't obviously give like he told them to if that's the case, what they, what they did. If that was generally the case, if the Holy Spirit was prompting them to give and they gave but held back some of it, or did they pray and say, God, we're going to sell this land and give all of it to the church? We're not exactly sure how it all came about. But we do know that what they've done is a sin against God because they've, they've lied. They've lied in, in their actions of what they were going to do. And so this is a joint effort between them both. And uh, they were both in on this deception. We can only guess what their motives were. Uh, most likely they were wanting the attention, the accolades, uh, they wanted to be, appear to be something, you know, great. Uh, maybe they wanted people to say, oh, look at how kind they are, you know. They're such good people. Uh, but they wanted to be seen and known as these great givers. You know, they didn't have Facebook and Twitter. They couldn't get on there and say, sold my land, gave her the church. You know, <laughs> that's what they do today. Uh, let me read you this little uh, explanation by David Guzik. He's a... He's a Bible commentary writer. He's a, a preacher. And he says this about this instance right here. He said, their sin, Ananias and Sapphira, is imitated in many ways today. We can create or allow the impression that we are people of Bible reading or prayer when we are not. We can create or allow the impression that we have it all together when we do not. 
we can exaggerate our spiritual accomplishments or effectiveness to appear something we are not. It is too easy to be happy with the image of spirituality without the reality of spiritual life. And that is true, friends. Uh, people can get wrapped up in themselves today, and they can, they can pretend to be a lot of things. There's people today that, that are pretending to be great Bible readers and, and you know, prayers and uh, church members and stuff, and, and they go on and on. They'll, they'll talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They're not the real thing. And uh, there's a lot like that today. And Ananias and Sapphira, they were talking it, but they wasn't walking it. Look at verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Well, look, Ananias has made a huge mistake thinking he could pull one over on, on Peter, but of all people, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> If he thought he was going to get by with it, he was dead wrong. And I mean dead. D-E-D. -E -D. We see from the very first chapter of Acts that Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's been acting upon the power of the Holy Ghost. God has obviously giving, given Peter the ability to discern things like this. And so in his discernment of the Holy Spirit, he knows that, that the Holy Spirit has been wronged. He's been lied to. And, and that Ananias has done that. It, and he said that it's Satan is the one that's filled his heart to do it. Look, sometimes, I don't, I, don't, I don't ever like to lift up Satan. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we don't give him enough credit. That devil's a devil. <laughs> and don't ever think that you can ever get your, your hands on him and, and take care of him. You can't. We're not big enough to take care of Satan. Only the Lord is. And as long as we turn to the Lord, and the Lord never tells us to fight the devil, he tells us to flee from the devil. Let God fight the devil. And, you know, there's some people get up and say, well, I'll give the, the devil a big punch in the eye. Yeah, sure you will. There's greater men than, than me or you, greater women than, than you all or, or anyone that stood up and thought they could fight against the devil, and he's got the better of them. And so he's got the better of Ananias. Satan's filled his heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. So there it is. We, we see what the sin is. He's lied to the Holy Ghost. Now, I, I'm, I try to make this uh, an, an emphasis. Anytime I mention the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is a person. He's part of the triune Godhead. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they're all equal. And they're all as one. And so he is a person. He's not an it. And so Peter refers to him uh, just like a, he would a person. Satan's filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. You wouldn't lie to a nit. You lie to a person. And so he says, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And so Peter saw right through this charade and calls him out. And he specifically mentions it was influenced by Satan. And uh, Jesus, he, he tried to draw our attention to that. He was speaking to a crowd of Pharisees. Once you may remember this in John 8 and 44. He looked at those Pharisees and he said this. He said, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so Peter's told Ananias point blank here, he says, you're filled with Satan. He's caused you to lie like this. You're in cahoots with him. And notice again, he didn't accuse him of lying 
to the apostles or lying to the church, but he accused him of lying to the Holy Ghost. And, of course, lying to the Holy Ghost is the same as lying to God. Uh, Peter specifically uses the name of, of the Holy Ghost as part of the Trinity. Uh, and that may seem just uh, no, no reason or significant to the casual reader, but I believe it have a, has a deep meaning of it. Uh, by specifically using and saying the Holy Ghost, he's emphasizing the distinct office of the Holy Ghost in the triune Godhead. Uh, of being the one who, um, uh, the one who guides Christians in our actions, it is the Holy Ghost that resides within us when we get saved that guides us in our actions and our thoughts. And so, when you sin, and you're sinning against God when you sin, but the Holy Ghost is the one that convicts us of that sin. He's the one that's always prompting you. And when you, you're starting to do something wrong, and that that voice in the back of your head saying that you know that's wrong, that's the Holy Ghost guiding you. And we can do one of two things. We can obey the Holy Spirit and follow his leadership and say, you're right, I'm not going to do that. Or we can deny the Holy Ghost, go against his will, and go ahead in our own flesh and, and step out and do our own will. And then we've, we've sinned. <clears throat> and so uh, the Holy Ghost is the one who influences Christians not to lie. So to lie to the Holy Ghost would indicate one thing. The person lying either does not have the Holy Ghost living in them or they're purposely defying the power of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that to be the case with Ananias. He's denied the power of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 4. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So this verse right here is proof positive that nobody was required to sell their possessions and give it away. Peter asked him why he would do such a thing, seeing as how he didn't even have to do that. Uh, he said it was in your own power. It was your property. You could have done what you wanted to with it. But yet you concocted this lie. You conceived this lie in your heart that you were going to sell your land and give it away and give all the proceeds of it to the church, and you've lied about it. Why would you do that? <laughs> so this is the first case of hypocrisy within the church. And, of course, you know, the Jews all along had dealt with hypocrisy, the, the Pharisees, hypocrisy for you all. Uh, J. Vernon McGee, I used to listen to him so much, and he always said hypocrisy. And so uh, that's the way I've always said it. But <laughs> hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Jesus always talked about them, and there, there's that one chapter in Matthew where he goes down that list of things that they were hypocrites of. But in Matthew 23 and 28, Jesus said, Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And that is the same type of person we're dealing with here with Ananias. He's a hypocrite. And so on the outside, he looks like he's been a big giver, but on the inside, he's a big liar. Uh, and so Peter invokes God's name in this verse. He said, you didn't lie unto men, but unto God. And so this is further proof here that, uh, of the triune Godhead. They're all one. Look at verse 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Now, you talk about a, a de devastating way to die. <laughs> This man has literally been scared to death. <laughs> He's literally been struck down. As soon as he hears what Peter says, 
realizes he's been caught in this deception, well, the Lord initiates immediate judgment upon him. I mean, immediate. Now, we don't know all the circumstances involved in everything that took place right there, but we can only imagine all the kinds of things that might have happened. For example, it could be he was so guilt-ridden that uh, maybe his nerves were so rattled, his blood pressure spiked so high that he, that he you know, had a, had a, a heart attack or something. Um, don't know. However the Lord decided to do it, he did it, but it killed him. Uh, you know, you can get so stressed out and your heart can, uh, can give out, have a heart attack and die. It doesn't really matter the why or how he died, but he died because God passed judgment upon his sin. Uh, and his, his uh, verdict here was death. Sin brings forth death. Now, it would be easy for us to assume that Ananias probably wasn't saved. And we ought to be careful about that. I don't believe that's the case. The Bible never says he was unsaved. Uh, it looks like he's a member of the church, and, uh, you know, people look at him as one. And only the members of the church are saved people. And so I believe the man was saved. Um, only the Lord knows that, and uh, we'll know one day when we get to heaven. But uh, the Bible says that all these believers had all things in common, were in one mind and one accord. It didn't say that they all had things in common except Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, so I believe they were truly Christians, but they allowed sin in their lives. They allowed Satan, and uh, this is the result of it. And this ought to show us the seriousness of sin. You know, we, we think that sin, we just uh, we take it so lightly these days. People sin, blatantly sin, and proudly sin these days. I mean, defiant, and will tell you right in your face that they don't care. They're not afraid of God. They don't, you know, they're not afraid of what they're doing is wrong. The people just do what they want to do today without any repercussions. I want you to know there's seriousness to sin. God hates it. He hates sin. He hates hypocrisy. And one thing's for sure, uh, it has an everlasting impact on the rest of the church when this happened. It says, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. Now, that could have been only the church people that, that knew about it, or it could have been everybody there in Jerusalem that heard about it which I believe to be the case. I believe people outside the church probably heard about this. Did you hear about, did you hear about what happened down at the church? Did you hear about that guy that went in there and uh, he talked to the apostles and he caught him in a line and the next thing you know, he died. I believe it was heard all over and they were in great fear. And look at verse 6. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And so that's the end of the husband. And you talk about a fast funeral. <laughs> Uh, his wife wasn't even invited. It was quick. Now, they did things quick, uh, the Jews did. They didn't embalm the bodies like they did in Egypt. Now, we, we saw that some did. It was at Joseph. They carried Joseph's bones, and, and they had funerals and things back then, uh, a few then. But the Jews, they, uh, the Israelites, they would bury the body the same day. They would wrap it up in, in uh, cloth, and they would, they would bury him. And so they did this quickly. Wound him up, that's what it means. They wound him up, and so they wound him up tight in some kind of linen cloth, and then they buried that guy. Uh, it could also be they were following the law. Back in Deuteronomy 21 and 22, if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. 
So back in the days of Moses, if a person did something, they were guilty of death and they were killed, uh, they were to be buried that same day. And so this could have possibly been one of the reasons that they buried him right then away. Uh, not exactly sure why they didn't go and find his wife and tell her. Uh, she didn't get to, to come to the visitation. Look at verses 7 through 10 together. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then, she, then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. <laughs> wow, uh, that was quick. Uh, I don't know where she's been. She's been gone three hours. Did she take that portion of money that's left over and go out and try to buy her something nice? Maybe she's out looking at new camels. I don't know what she was doing. But she was out somewhere for three hours, didn't know about her husband dying. And now she comes and, and, and repeats the same lie. Peter asked her point blank, did you sell your land for so much and, and you, you gave it to the church? She says, yay, for so much. Yep. And then he says, well, uh, how is it you've agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? So he tells her that she too has lied against the Holy Ghost, lied to God. And uh, it was too much for her too. The Lord struck her down dead right there. And you may think, well, that, you know, that is pretty, um, uh, I don't know. Some people might think that's not fair. I'll tell you what's not fair is that God allows any of us to breathe another breath. Because we're all sinners. And if we'd not been saved, we're all bound for hell. And so uh, if it's only by God's good grace that we can live another day. But uh, he takes sin seriously, especially when it comes to the church and the way the church should operate. And God said, I'm going to set an example right here at these two. We're not going to have this in the church. And so as soon as she's confronted about her sins, she is immediately stricken and died. Quick judgment took place. And look at the results, verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. So there we see it. The church and others outside the church has heard about it, and great fears come upon them. And so now they're realizing the seriousness of God. Well, these, these people that are Christians are calling themselves Christians. It's fallen after this Jesus of Nazareth. That's some serious stuff. I mean, you don't want, I mean, you get over there and you lie to God about something. Uh, you better watch out. God takes that serious. And so I believe one thing missing in most Christians' lives these days is a healthy fear of God. I believe today there's so many people that, that think that God's some grandpa sitting up in, in the clouds in a rocking chair rocking his day away, waiting, just can't wait to see you. That's not, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible, I tell you what, he's, he's a serious God. He's a loving God, but he hates sin. And you better believe there's uh, repercussions for sin. And so we should have a healthy fear of God. Now, I don't go around thinking, you know, well, if I do something, God's going to strike me down. I'm not, I don't do that. But I do know this, that God is the greatest, greatest of anybody, anything. And he deserves all of our respect. He deserves all of our everything. Uh, you know, I always think about my dad growing up and how much I loved him. 
and how much he loved me, but I was afraid of the man. Uh, it, I knew if he told me to do something and I did the opposite, or I did what I wasn't supposed to, I'm going to have repercussions because of that. He's going to take off that leather belt that he always wore. He'll whip that thing off and he'll put it in the thing and snap, snap, snap. And he'll say, bend over, grab the bottom of that pole or whatever it is. And he'd wear me out. So I, I had a great respect for my dad. And, uh, and, and it's not just because I was afraid he's going to whip me. I respected him because I loved him. Because I knew he was, he was providing for me for everything that I had. My dad went and worked every day so that I would have something to eat. He would teach me how to do things. He taught me how to fish and how to hunt and how to work on a car and, and uh, how to plow a garden and plant seed. He, my dad taught me all those things. I had great respect for my dad. And so I did have a fear for, of him. But we should fear God because the Bible tells us it's the beginning of knowledge is to fear God. And uh, we need to always remember that. And that is one, like, like I said, one key ingredient missing in a lot of Christians' lives is uh, they don't have a healthy fear of God. Uh, they see God in some other way. And uh, I've known some people that see God, uh, and the God that they think about is not the same God that, that I worship. He's not the same God that I read about in the Bible. And uh, I, I had some friends one time. We had a little discussion about it. They didn't like my point of view. Uh, there was a bumper sticker on the car that said something about um, uh, fearing the Lord and he, the, my friend, he made the, the comment about, oh, I don't fear God, I love God. And I said, well, now the Bible says that we're to fear God. And uh, he didn't agree with that. He just, he did not, he said, that's not the kind of God that I serve. Well, I said, well, that's not the God that I serve. I said, the God I serve says that we're to fear him. And uh, we had a little, kind of a little falling out over it. But uh, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. Not what Brother Byron said, but that's what the Bible says. And I believe it. I believe everything about this Bible. I believe it's perfect. It's infallible. I believe it's the Word of God. I don't think there's a mistake in this Bible. I think it's, it's pure. It's perfect. I think it's inspired. I think it's the, God inspired the Bible. And uh, he's the one who influenced men to write down the words, his words. It's in his. God's the author of the Bible. And so uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that tonight. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the message tonight. I pray that it's been helpful. Lord, uh, uh, please keep uh, helping us as we dig through your word, Lord, and uh, understand it the best we possibly can. God, may we leave from here realizing, God, how much you do hate sin. And God, that uh, you are a God of love, but you also are a God that, that tells us in your word, we are to fear you, Lord, because we, we owe you everything. God, we're nothing without you. God, I'm praying for each one in this building tonight, Lord, that you'll keep them safe on their way home tonight, keep them warm. And God, we pray for each member of the church. Lord, pray for those listening on Facebook, God, and maybe YouTube, Sermon Audio, wherever they may be, God, that you'll bless them. And Lord, bring us back here to our next appointed time, and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name.